0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of ABI Podcast. My name is John Lieberman, Senior Counsel at Satilli & Burley LLC in Loveland, Ohio. I'm co-chair of ABI's Consumer Bankruptcy Committee, and I'll be your host for the podcast. An article in the summer 2019 edition of the ABI Law Review featured research showing that individuals who experienced a gap in medical care coverage over a two-year period were roughly twice as likely to file for bankruptcy as those who retained continuous coverage. Today, we'll be talking with the authors of the research and the article, Professor Brooke E. Gottberg of the University of Missouri School of Law in Columbia, Missouri, and Professor Michael D. Souza of the University of Denver Sturm College of Law in Denver, Colorado. Their research looked at data from a national survey of adults from 2008 through 2014 that indicates that the principal predictor of consumer bankruptcy is a lapse in medical insurance coverage. Gottberg and Sousa's study was funded in 2016 by ABI's Anthony H.N. Schnelling Endowment Fund. Welcome professors to this edition of ABI podcast. First, we'd like to discuss origins of the study, particularly What made you want to undertake this study? Why is your research different from other studies looking at the correlation between medical debt and bankruptcy, and how is the information gathered?
1: Thank you so much, John, this is Professor Gottberg. I wanted to thank you for having us on and for talking about this subject. We feel this is a really important topic and we're delighted to get our findings out there to your listeners. So Michael and I have been colleagues for some time. We have a shared interest in empirical research, and we really believe strongly in its value to our field. Several years ago, we were discussing the implementation of the Affordable Care Act, and in particular, its relationship to consumer bankruptcy. We had this theory that maybe there was going to be a difference In bankruptcy filing rates between Colorado and Missouri because Colorado uh, had expanded Medicaid and Missouri hadn't. And so our thought initially was to do some data-driven empirical analysis to determine if that was true. As we started looking into it, it occurred to us, and actually mostly it occurred to Michael, that we might be jumping the gun insofar as at that time there weren't any conclusive studies that actually linked having health insurance to a decrease in filing rates
2: yeah let me chime in thank you Brooke and thank you everyone for including us and and interviewing us as well this is Professor Sousa Um, Brooke is absolutely right what also prompted us to undertake the study after thinking about all those things is that Brooke and I are familiar with the bankruptcy research obviously that's been done before and for two decades uh, bankruptcy scholars and social scientists have been raising the issue uh, of what percentage of consumer bankruptcies are driven or air quotes caused by medical debt. And the empiricism is tied to just finding out percentages or causation of bankruptcies and finding an answer to what causes a medical bankruptcy is highly problematic for reasons we can discuss. And two, after Brooke and I started talking about this project, uh, I think we both came to the conclusion that simply asking what percentage of bankruptcies are medically related isn't the most important question. Uh, Scholars have differed on that percentage. Elizabeth Warren and others are famous for bringing up percentages. But that's not really the best question to ask because it's hard to pin down. So we reframed the issue, uh, and that's how this study started uh, to germinate, and is what is the link between health insurance and a medical bankruptcy or a consumer bankruptcy that is somehow related or correlated with medical debt? So in short, we wanted to pose the question of what is the correlation between possessing health insurance or not and needing to file for bankruptcy? So we were reframing questions.
1: I think we were both struck by how the conversation was going in the wake of the Affordable Care Act or even in, you know, preceding it, how President Obama, among others, was linking the need for the Affordable Care Act with the desire to reduce the number of bankruptcies. And all of this, of course, was stemming out of this very important research that had been conducted by Elizabeth Warren, Melissa Jacobian, and many others. But again, that was all looking at this this. Idea of how much medical debt does a a bankrupt debtor have? Implicit in the discussion, or maybe assumed in the discussion, was this idea that medical debt was only a problem because people didn't have health insurance. And so this push for health insurance was intended to reduce the need for bankruptcy. But that actual association, the link between health insurance and bankruptcy, wasn't really being studied. If the question is, does having insurance help prevent bankruptcy that's what we should be studying, and not sort of the the lead in well, does medical debt cause bankruptcy, and we assume that medical insurance will solve that medical debt problem, even today, much of the discussion, especially much of the political discussion regarding this very important issue of health care, at least if you listen to the democratic primary debates, it surrounds the type of health insurance we p- we should be providing people as a nation. Um, in light of this focus, we thought we needed data on health insurance, not just medical debt.
2: And John, let me add one thing. You asked, in part, why is our research different from other studies, and how is the information gathered? And let me address that without getting too wonky in the statistics. Um, past studies have generally uh, generally looked at data sets where people have already filed for bankruptcy and that's a big distinction from what we've done because you're sampling by looking at people who have already filed you're sampling on your variable of interest the dependent variable people who already filed and what brooke and i wanted to do was something different because when you sample on people who have filed already you can't make any really predictive uh conclusions to the general population so you need a random sample uh, of people who have both filed for bankruptcy and who have not filed for bankruptcy, to tease out differences. And uh, we found one data set, the National Longitudinal Survey of Youth 79, that's uh, administered by the Department of Labor and used by social scientists every day in this country. Uh, and it is one of the few data sets, essentially one of two only, that asks uh, a random sampling of approximately 12,000 Americans. Uh, about their finances, about bankruptcy in part, and about health insurance, among thousands of other variables. So what makes our study a little bit different than past studies is we can extrapolate our findings to the general population, and it's a representative sample, uh, random, uh, of Americans and their statuses. And one additional fact, uh, the uh NLSY79 is, is generally comprised of middle-aged adults. They've followed them for years and and it's interesting that it's middle-aged because those are m- the people most likely to file bankruptcy in our current climate. So that's how our study's different.
0: Uh well professors, what were the key findings of your research and how would you like it to contribute to the debate over medical debt and bankruptcy?
1: That's a great question. So to start out with, I want to talk about things that we looked into. There's lots of different reasons that people file for bankruptcy. And that's maybe one of the most important things to remember here is that as we're studying this particular element, you know, we're not saying that this is the only reason or even the primary reason that people are filing. That's something that's very difficult to prove. What we were looking for is a correlative relationship. And so, Michael, maybe talk about some of the different factors that we, that we controlled for in terms of analyzing whether there is this connection in between health insurance and bankruptcy filing.
2: Yeah, to, to ferret that question out and to look at whether health insurance does have a correlative effect to consumer bankruptcy, we controlled for basic demographic and economic characteristics like marital status age, gender, race, parenthood, whether someone had a child or not, whether someone was employed or not, uh their debt levels and their income. So the host of generally accepted demographic variables are some of the things we controlled for to see if health insurance actually mattered.
1: And going back, that was one of the things that made our study different I think than some of the studies that we have that we were you know learning from and and uh, building off of is that we had this this opportunity to use this national longitudinal youth survey that in which the the questionnaire covered all of these different elements so we could look at these factors in addition we could look at the number of weeks that they'd worked we could look at the income we could look at whether or not they had a medical health issue and control for all of those factors in addition to asking whether they had medical insurance and whether that medical insurance had been interrupted from within a two-year period.
2: And there's another important thing to add, which is in looking at the variables, I think we are one of the first, if not the first study, to absolutely be able to break it down by type of health insurance, not just health insurance in general. So we were able to look at whether the type of health insurance matters for a predictive effect in filing. And what I mean by type of health insurance, we essentially coded between private pay health insurance, employer-provided health insurance, and Medicaid or government-assisted type of health insurance.
1: So controlling for all these factors, we were able to conduct a regressive analysis that demonstrated that even though we didn't see a clear a connection or clear correlation between having health insurance versus not having health insurance, like the rates of bankruptcy filing didn't seem to be particularly affected by that. There was a clear correlation between an interruption in health insurance and bankruptcy filing to the point where you could predict somebody with an interruption in their health insurance was more than two times more likely to file for bankruptcy than somebody who did not have an interruption, who just had health insurance throughout the period.
2: And to just add to what Brooke mentioned uh, about the key finding of of lapse in health insurance coverage, uh, our data uh, allowed us to at least try to get at the justifications for it based upon associations. Again, not causation, but associations that potential justifications for lapsing uh, based upon our data set uh, had to deal with uh, health limitations would be associated with a potential uh, lapse having a lower income would be associated with lapse divorce would be associated with lapse and uh, ethnicity being a latino or latina uh, family had an associative effect with respect to lapse And, and all of those um are right for future uh analysis and future study so we're trying to tease out uh in a in a predictive effect what is going on in people's lives that that health insurance is meaningful to their financial picture overall
1: all right so john as we're building this story we were you know our, initially our reaction was somewhat surprised here we had expected, in terms of controlling for all these factors, to have a direct association between people who didn't have health insurance filing for bankruptcy versus people who did have health insurance. And when we didn't see that, we felt like we needed to dig more into it. And so then we had, came up with this really interesting issue of the interruption in health insurance that you know, people who had a lapse in between the two years that we were studying, we more likely to file. And so the next question there was, well, what's causing the lapse or how is the lapse associated with bankruptcy? And as Michael alluded, there were, you know, we started seeing these other factors come into play. The reasons that people might have a lapse in their health insurance, you know, maybe a job loss, maybe a divorce, things that are already, we know, associated with bankruptcy filing. But what was re- what was really interesting to us as well, again and kind of surprising, with the ability to break down the type of insurance that people had, we noticed that the lapses weren't showing up as much in the in the um, like employer provided health insurance as they were in the public health insurance. In other words, that people who were on a form of public health insurance were experiencing lapses, which was surprising to us. I think we'd assumed that you know, once you get on public health insurance, you're on public health insurance. Why should you lapse?
2: And we learned through talking with other people in the field that fortunately or unfortunately, there's a churning effect with respect to people who are on public assistance, Medicaid or public um, assisted insurance. So there's a churning effect where If you don't have income or you are the lower end of the margins income wise, you can be supplemented by the government and you have a safety net of government provided health insurance, at least supplemented. But as soon as you get a job that takes you over the the Medicaid assistance threshold, you're essentially churned out of and kicked off the public health insurance. Uh, And there's this churning effect, which is problematic. If you think in the larger picture of the Affordable Care Act and Medicaid expansions around the country, uh, it's a problematic if your income causes you to lapse and your lapse is predictive of future bankruptcy, then what is the point, uh, larger philosophical questions, what is the point of helping people if it doesn't do much in the end, uh, if there is some financial calamity, or if your income increases to the point where you don't qualify for Medicaid, but you still don't have the financial backstop to protect you if something happens calamitous in your life.
1: And we should note, somewhat unsurprisingly, the highest levels of lapse that we saw were with individuals who had privately purchased health insurance. Um, that makes sense when you think about an individual who is having a hard time making ends meet and have to cut somewhere. They may end up cutting health insurance, which is viewed to many as sort of a prophylactic measure. It's not the same thing as putting food in your mouth. So that the fact that there was the highest levels of lapse there raises some interesting questions regarding the Affordable Care Act in particular, specifically how useful it actually is in preventing bankruptcy, if it at least insofar as it requires people to purchase their own health insurance. So, John, you asked how, how we'd like our findings to contribute to this debate. Um, I have, as I alluded earlier, I, it's really interesting to watch The Democratic primary debates and and the way that they're covering health insurance. And and I think if you look at sort of national polls, Americans in general are very interested in health insurance. It tends to be, I think, consistently a top issue for, you know, that people are concerned about. And so the, the whole nature of the relationship between health insurance and financial issues, health insurance and bankruptcy, is one that I feel like we've only just started to explore and this paper demonstrates a real contribution to that discussion. You go back a decade
2: or more, the the two thousand five amendments to the bankruptcy code and, and the, the the narrative for the last thirty years or so is Congress, particularly conservative administrations wanted to make bankruptcy means-tested and a little bit tougher. And we don't want, generally speaking, um, the conservative Then we don't want as many people filing for bankruptcy. Uh, so let's take steps to, to persuade them not to, and let's have some 2005 amendments and mean test it. But that's really the not not the correct political question, because if it is largely driven uh, by medical debt or health insurance, or the lack of adequate health insurance, then maybe the the political narrative and book is right. The Democrats are discussing it now. Maybe if we don't want so many consumer bankruptcies, maybe the answer is not amending and tweaking the bankruptcy code. Maybe it's rethinking or continuing to think about universal healthcare coverage, not a scrimp or a minimal level, but robust coverage that protects people when. They do have uh, medical debt. They do have a calamity in their life, um, a medical illness. So what we're trying to do, what's happening now, is rephrase the question. Uh, that really is health insurance that should be protected uh, and provided, not necessarily making it more difficult to file bankruptcy. The bankruptcies may decrease substantially if more people in this country had adequate health insurance that wasn't um, uh, or didn't provide under insurance for other things like prescriptions and copays. Um, that's the idea.
1: One thing that we really struggled with actually in writing this paper is uh, it was especially important to me, and I think i, I Michael can talk about uh, to can speak to whether or not he willingly agreed to this or reluctantly agreed to this but it was especially important to me that at least in this paper we didn't jump straight into a specific policy recommendation i just felt that our job here was to provide the data relative to how, to what we discovered with regards to the correlation between medical insurance and bankruptcy, I think the question of how health insurance should be provided and the extent to which it should be provided is a really difficult question. One that, you know, even our our current president, who was very confident coming into it, was a simple question, has since acknowledged it's really complicated. Into and how the, what's going to be best for the country as a whole. And our findings are primarily, you know, so we're not. I don't think taking a side, either in terms of the, you know, in terms of what's being debated in the Democratic primary or what's being debated overall with health insurance. We're just reporting on the findings and with the hope that people will use this information to make good policy decisions. If you want to limit bankruptcies or if you want to reduce the number of bankruptcy proceedings that people are forced to go through, you may want to look at an, a changing the health insurance framework so that there's fewer interruptions, however that's accomplished. Because at least what our study suggests is that it's the interruptions and in, you know, whatever is associated with those interruptions that is leading to the kind of financial crisis that leads people to file for bankruptcy.
0: And I would agree with that. Well, what are your thoughts on solutions to some of the issues presented in your research?
1: You know, John, we tried really hard throughout this process to not go so far as to answer that question. Um, We really felt like our role here as researchers was to provide the information necessary for policymakers to make good choices and informed choices. This area is so complex. I think um, both parties have been grappling with the notion of how much should we have a national healthcare policy and to what extent should we mandate health insurance coverage, what should that health insurance coverage cover Um, the questions there are so complicated. I felt like really more research needs to be done. and, And the best thing that we can do at this point is to provide the information that we have gathered. If the goal is to limit bankruptcies or to reduce the number of people who are forced to file because of financial calamity, then we should take a good look at ways to make health insurance Uninterrupted, and that could take on a variety of forms. I think we were careful here not to advocate one policy in particular um, we're not signing up to you know to to a particular proposal. It's more providing the information and encouraging policymakers to make a good choice. I think we're also really enthusiastic about additional pathways of research that we can take. As you mentioned, we've been funded um, by ABI. We're extremely grateful for that opportunity, and we're hoping to take it further. Um, Since our findings came out, you know, we've got uh, additional years of we've been looking at ways that we can incorporate the 2016 national longitudinal youth survey from the 2018 survey as a way of expanding our understanding of what of what this relationship is between health insurance and medical bankruptcy. I'm talking about the 2016 and 2018 uh national study results that we used for this uh for this study. And uh we're also looking into beginning a qualitative study interviewing uh debtors who have filed with regards asking questions about their experience with medical insurance and how it related to their decision to file.
2: And just to pick up on what Brooke just mentioned, the next part of our study, the next phase is getting out and talking to debtors and interviewing them and speaking with them about their experiences in filing for bankruptcy in association with their medical debt and health insurance or lack thereof. And I think for the both of us those narratives, those stories of heartbreak, those stories of struggling, will be just as important uh, as as the raw data and the numbers tell. Because the numbers show patterns, but the interviewees, in their own words, will show us what happens, how it happens, why, and in a meaningful way, the struggles that people undergo with medical and health insurance and trying to survive. Uh, in our current economy.
0: Well, thank you very much, Professor Gottberg and Professor Souza, for joining me today for this engaging discussion. And thank you for listening to this edition of ABI Podcast. This and more than 200 others can be found in the newsroom at www.abiworld.org. Have a great day.